Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Thank you for joining us again this evening for our Light for Living Bible study. For several weeks, we've been taking a journey through the book of Colossians, and it's from these wonderful words and passages of Scripture that the Apostle Paul has challenged our day-by-day living for the Lord. Tonight, we're going to bring this series to a conclusion, and I pray that the Spirit of God will help us to understand the value of everything we've talked about throughout this series. And tonight, we're going to be focusing on the privilege that we have been given to be a part of the body of Christ. It's so important in this hour, most especially, that we underscore and understand the value of standing together. In the hour in which we live, there is a tremendous spirit of independence, and that is especially true in the United States of America. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is known as the city of brotherly love. We consider it to be the birthplace of freedom for our country. And that freedom, perhaps, is best symbolized by a document that we have all come to know as the Declaration of Independence. Of course, that document reflected a spirit of independence, and that document was paid for by a supreme price of the blood of mankind, that blood from our forefathers fighting for our independence. Our independence is a prized possession, and it should be. It should never be something that we take for granted. But the problem comes when we misapply that spirit of independence and bring that into the body of Christ or into the kingdom of God. While the spirit of our age may be independence, the nature of the church should be interdependence because the church is a community. It is a community of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ always finds its expression within the local church. To be sure, the local church is not problem-free, primarily because it is made up of human beings. If you're not happy where you are, I can assure you that no matter where you're going, you're going to find the same thing. The names will be different and the faces will be different, but the spirit of what you're trying to get away from is going to be prevalent there wherever you go because it is the spirit of humanity. Being called to be a part of the church is not just for one person or not just for a group of leaders. I believe that every person is called to be a part, an intricate part of the local body of Christ. The scripture teaches us that God sets the solitary into families. That's the Bible. He doesn't leave us to ourselves, but he places us within the context of family. And as such, we must work to cultivate that spirit of interdependence if the church is going to succeed in the mission that she's been given. Independence has the tendency to erode fellowship and destroy relationships. However, learning how to depend upon one another 
and understanding and appreciating the strength that each person brings to the table is priceless. It causes our fellowship to grow not only in quality, but it causes it to grow in quantity. The bottom line is this. We need one another. I need what you have. I need what you know about God. And you need what I have and what I know about God. Community is the key. God designed the church to bring different people together. Together. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different cultures. We come from different races. We come from different stations in life. God did this on purpose. It was so that we would learn how to live together and united and unite ourselves by a common or a united faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that the church in action is one of the most beautiful things that you'll ever see this side of heaven. You see, God designed the church to be the antidote of the spirit of our age. As we live together, God breaks down walls that would commonly or perhaps ordinarily divide us. In the church, God deals with our selfishness. His word hits that head on. In the church, God deals with our pride. His word hits that dead on. In the church, God deals with our racism. His word teaches us that it hits it head on. In the church, God deals with issues of isolation. And the list, of course, could go on and on. These are issues that divide us. Issues that sometimes and too often keep us apart. These are issues that keep us from living as the people that God truly designed and desires for us to be. On the other hand, the strategy of the, of the devil is to divide us. To pull us apart. He uses many things in his arsenal to separate us. He takes our opinions and he tells us that our opinion is the most lofty and weighty opinion in the room. He takes our prejudice and he allows that to divide us. He takes our preferences and he tells us that the world would be a better place if you would just do it my way. He fans the fire of selfishness. He does so. Because he understands what a powerful force the church is when we are united for any cause. We are powerful enemies against the kingdom of darkness. When we're united, we can do far greater things than we could ever do alone. I'm so thankful every day to be a part of the church. But I am very thankful in this day to be a part of the church. The Bible speaks of one person putting a thousand to flight and two, putting 10,000 to flight. Because it's the power of God that multiplies our effectiveness. I think something is pow that powerful is released when we work together to accomplish God's will in our lives. There are two ways that we can grow a church. We can have the church growing by addition. This is where the pastor and perhaps the ministry team of the, of the church are the only ministers are the only ministry of the church. Or we can have church multiplication. This is where everybody in the church understands their role of ministry within the church. And they're not only willing, but they are able to step up and say, Here am I, Lord, use me. Church history makes it clear that when a church has grown, it has grown because everyone recognized their gift and they were willing to utilize that gift to the glory of God. 
God uses us in powerful ways when we work together. He multiplies our ministry. He increases our strength. And ultimately, he increases our effectiveness. This is why the devil fears the kingdom of God united. He fears the church united. And he fights very hard against that. He'll do anything he can within his power to bring the spirit of disunity into the church. That's why we should do everything within our power to make sure that it stays out. In our text today, Paul gives us a list of some of the people that helped him in ministry. Often, when we are reading the closing words of a letter like Colossians, we might miss the significance of these, of these people that are mentioned toward the end. We might think that it's just a literary custom. It's just something that Paul is doing because it's the right thing to do. But I believe it's far more than that. I believe it reveals that Paul recognized the fact that I am not working alone. I'm not in this by myself. It takes many shoulders to lift the load of ministry for the common cause of Christ to go forward. Without this help, Paul understood that his ministry could not nearly have been as effective as it was. Paul knew and he acknowledged that by including a list of people at the end of this, of the end of this letter. The Bible says in verse number 4, Paul mentions a man by the name of Tychicus. And this is whom Paul called a dear brother, a faithful minister, or a fellow servant. Now, these were, in, these were terms that indicated how much Paul valued his contribution to the work and to the ministry. He was not just a small or an insignificant part, but without him, the load would have been so much heavier. In chapter 4 and verse number 9, Paul mentions a man by the name of Onesimus. We know from the book of Philemon that Onesimus was a runaway slave who was later converted to Jesus Christ. And now he's being referred to as a faithful and a dear brother to the Apostle Paul. A man who was once considered a runaway has now become an instrumental part of the local work of that church and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The, the scripture talks about, again, in verse number 10 and 11, men that were a part of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. He's not just, I don't believe, just giving them a cold slap on the back and, and somehow just trying to come through the back door to say thank you. But I believe the Apostle Paul is fully recognizing that we could not have accomplished what we've accomplished had it not been for more shoulders to set the load of ministry upon. He mentions three men, two of, two of which were, were fellow Jews and had become workers of the Apostle Paul. They had proven themselves to comfort him, most especially during times and seasons of imprisonment. The only one we really know very much about is Mark. He's also referred to in Scripture as John Mark. He is the cousin of Barnabas, of whom Paul would later team up with to share the gospel. Mark came along on the very first missionary journey with the Apostle Paul. Something happened in that work, and, and he, he didn't feel like he could move on, and, and so he turned, and he went back. And so later down the road, when it came time for a second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. I believe, according to Scripture, a somewhat sharp disagreement 
over whether or not Mark should join them again. Paul didn't think that he should. So Barnabas took Mark with him and they went their separate ways. It's interesting that, that Mark had apparently matured quite a bit by the time Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of, of Colossians because he was not only with Paul again, but Paul is now commending him as a valued worker in the field. Incidentally, this same Mark is one of the contributors to the Gospels. We call it the Gospel according to Mark. In, in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, he speaks of, of Epaphras. Many believe that he was the pastor of the church of Colossae. Although he was currently with Paul, he was still working on his behalf. He was working in the venue of prayer. And I will tell you that if you know anything about prayer, it's not hard to link that to work. Paul says that he was wrestling in prayer on their behalf. And by doing that, Paul indicates that he was working hard for him. Undeniably, prayer, real prayer, is hard work. And we need more people doing that kind of hard work in the church today. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 14 speaks of Luke. Luke was that beloved physician. We have the gospel in the New Testament that bears his name. Also the author of the book of Acts. Here is someone who used his secular occupation for the glory of God. Bringing that right into the ministry of the Lord. Then there was Demas. Nothing is said about him here. No praise, only the mention of his name. We know that Paul later in a letter to Timothy said, Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And so we don't really understand why a whole lot was not said about Demas. Perhaps he was already in his transition out. But there was that honorable mission mentioned by the Apostle Paul. And finally, there was Archippus. This seems to be the son of Philemon. Apparently, he had been given an assignment to complete. And it was in these closing words of this chapter that Paul admonishes him and exhorts him to complete what he started. And that's great advice for all of us. These are just a few of the people that the, Paul, that the Apostle Paul mentions in his letters. These are people who worked together with him for the sake of the kingdom of God. They were his fellow workers. Without these people, Paul would not have been able to accomplish nearly what he did in this particular church. Without their help, without their shoulders to rest the burden of ministry on, he could not have accomplished what was accomplished. Therefore, Paul said, I want to acknowledge these people. In fact, this was Paul's strategy. He wanted to multiply his ministry through the lives of others. He says so in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. He said to Timothy, his protege in the gospel, he said, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You see, the strategy of the apostle Paul was not just to be in this himself, but it was to invest in the lives of others and admonish them to invest in the lives of others and admonish them to invest in the lives of others. 
I think that I would be safe in saying this tonight, and I don't think I stand alone in this statement, but I certainly want my life at the end of the day and certainly at the end of the journey to count for God. I want the ministry that the Lord has entrusted me with. I want it to be multiplied in the lives of other faithful men and women. Someone that can be trusted with the word of God that will commit that same word into the lives of others. I want to train and equip other people around me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. If I can do that, then I too will be able to leave a legacy not for my sake, but so that the gospel can be propagated locally and around the world. This is what Paul did, and this is what other apostles did. As a matter of fact, it's why we're here today. Because someone trained faithful followers, and they taught them to be effective in what they were doing for the kingdom of God. They were taught to also teach others and teach them to be effective. Teach them to complete what they start. Teach them to invest into the lives of others and teach those to invest into the lives of others. And eventually, that word got to you and I. And that's why we know what we know about Jesus Christ. Because someone kept committing the word into a life and then committing the word into another life. Committing the word to one generation and then to another generation and to another generation. And so if I win one, and train one, that one, to win others, then one becomes two, and two becomes four, and four becomes eight. It's the multiplication process, not just the addition of just a few people having the responsibility of ministry, but it is the understanding that we all bear the burden of ministry together. And that's why we need the shoulders of others and the hearts and the lives of others if we are going to affect the community and the world in which we live. The Bible says of David that he served his generation. I think there is no greater epitaph in all the world than for it to be said of you and I that we served our generation. We need a renewed vision of who we are. We need a renewed vision of why we are here and what God has called us to do. We need to understand what God has called us to do. He has called us to do this together and not alone. We need one another. We need every voice in the choir. We need every, we need every hand in the harvest because the harvest is great. And the hour is closing very, very dim. And we need the Spirit of God to touch us today. We need to see that what God has called us to do, He will empower us to do. He's not going to call us and then leave us ill-equipped. He's going to give us the power if we will just obey His command. Because God never gives us a command or calls us to do something and then leaves us ill-equipped for the job. That is why the Apostle Paul would say things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. We already have the power to obey what God has called us to do, but we can't do it alone. We need one another. We need the corporate collective effort of the church. As we stand united in Christ, we will see the gates of hell fall before us. I am thankful today, as I've often said, we're not a part of the church anemic but we're a part of the church triumphant. I'm thankful for the power of God, 
the Word of God. I'm thankful for the body of Christ because it's His body, it's His kingdom that has brought us to where we are today. We bear a tremendous responsibility in this hour. And so I pray that the Spirit of God will help us rise to the challenge and let His authority and His anointing and His power not only be in our possession, but we need to give it away and invest it in the lives of others. I'm thankful to be a part of the church of of the Lord today. I'm thankful for the Spirit of God that touches our mind and our heart. And I pray that His anointing will move in your heart and in your life as well. Help us to realize and understand that the burden of ministry cannot just fall on a few people. But we have all got to step up to the plate and say, Lord, in whatever capacity you can use me, I just lend myself to you today. It is the power of the church united. United we stand, divided we are sure to fall. And so I am determined with everything in my soul to say, Lord, I don't want to just be in this with you, but I want to recognize the men and women that you have placed around me, and I want to put my trust and my confidence in them. Let's pray together tonight, and let's ask God to touch this word to our heart, to seal it into our lives, not let the enemy of our soul come along and destroy this or steal it away, but let the power of God's word be that resounding hope in our lives. In Jesus' name. Lord, I love you today. I thank you for the privilege that you have given, given us to be together again. We're warming our hearts around the central truth of your word. And I pray that your presence and your spirit will move God from this sanctuary tonight into the heart and the homes and the lives of those that will be receiving this word. Let your spirit touch our hearts and quicken us and help us to realize the power and the effectiveness that we have when we are together. The church united. I'm so thankful to be a part of the church and I ask you to strengthen us today in Jesus name. It is my prayer that God will take this word and he'll multiply it in your heart, in your life. God bless you in Jesus name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.